Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports today here on Sports Grid, and we are now headed toward the second half of the baseball season, All-Star Game last night. We got a lot of NBA to discuss here on the show. We have too many games, too many days off in between games, I think, for the finals, but we do have Game 4 tonight to preview, so we will do that as well. But Davis, of course, on a Tuesday night with not a lot going on in terms of sports, we had the Major League Baseball All-Star Game last night. Maybe that's why the NBA didn't have a game last night. They didn't want to uh, conflict with that. But uh, I look, I thought entertaining game. Pretty much we got what we thought we were going to. Maybe a few less runs, that's for sure. But we got Otani. We got Vlad Jr. And I thought that in the end, baseball star game. What do you think? Yeah, uh, it was, uh, it was uh, I think, a fairly entertaining game overall. You know, but I, I, I th- you are correct. The reason why they didn't have the finals last night was because of the all-star game. They, they definitely did not want to conflict there, which I, you know, I, you got to love the, the cooperation between, between the leagues. I think that's always kind of a, kind of a good thing. And uh, was, was it the most entertaining all-star game of all time? Am I going to be telling my kids about this all-star game? Probably not, but cool, cool for Vlad to hit home run, cool for Vlad to win MVP like you know no no uh no I'm not gonna be like oh it was the worst I can't believe it happened cool little moment but uh excited for real basketball to return to us pretty soon yeah and we're gonna preview the game coming up we'll also preview the British Open with Skylar Hope coming up in about 15 minutes from now because that gets underway in less than 24 hours let's get to our headlines here as we start the show July 14th 2021 the American League wins the all-star game Vladimir Guerrero Jr it's a 468 foot home run I believe and he's named the MVP at Coors Field the all-star game next year will be in Los Angeles USA basketball finally gets a win they beat Argentina so the panic can now go away Jason Tatum unfortunately did not play in that game with right knee soreness. Kawhi Leonard, who I saw in a commercial last night, by the way, I thought I saw in uh, during during the All-Star game, had surgery for a partially torn ACL. So that kind of summarizes the injury there. Not a huge surprise. And if that is the deal, then uh, Kawhi, I would guess, should be ready for the start of the 2021-2022 season. But, of course, the story of the week in baseball, both on and off the field, was Shohei Otani making his debut in the home run derby, and then, of course, in the All-Star game as a pitcher and as a hitter. Now, although he didn't set the world on fire last night, he looked pretty good as a pitcher, made contact a couple of times, 
the nerves definitely were there. The winning manager, of course, from the All-Star Game is Kevin Cash of the Tampa Bay Rays and talked about the Otani experience. We're all still, and me personally, just in awe of his ability to do that. I mean, he came in, hyped up on this stage, gets warmed up, and then, I mean, to go take the at-bat, he was sitting in his chair, like, get, catching his breath. Uh, but the way he has handled everything uh, makes it that much more special, watching him interact with the, the players and teammates throughout this and handle the media. Um, it, it is it's pretty remarkable. And I, I think that kind of summarizes the week, Davis. Just because Otani didn't homer or strike out six guys, I don't necessarily look at it as a failure at all. I mean, the home run derby, the guy was literally like two tiebreakers away from advancing to the next round. But I suppose really what happens next is the most interesting part of this for the Angels, for Mike Trout, and for baseball. Because the next step, Davis, would be somehow, if not just Otani, but if Trout could get to the postseason. Currently, as I look at the standings, I don't see that happening. But I suppose there's always a path and there's always a miracle, and that's what the Angels are going to need. Yeah, the Angels, the Angels are definitely going to need a lot of help because not only are they in fourth place of what is a pretty strong division. I mean, there are four winning teams in that division and then a bunch of losing teams in the AL Central that are, you know, those teams are getting beat up by everyone else in the American League. I I would think they would have to make some significant additions at the deadline because you just, you know, you can't be batting Jose Iglesias clean up and expect that you're going to be making the playoffs. And their their pitching also, you know, their their pitching has been, we kind of thought maybe at the beginning of the year, maybe they would figure it out a little bit. Maybe they would get lucky with, you know, a great season from Andrew Heaney or something like that. But it really has kind of been, you know, Alex Cobb has not been great. Patrick Sandoval has not been great. They've been having to use, Jose Suarez, I I very much want to see them on the national stage. I would love to see Shohei Otani, you know, pitching in game three of an ALCS or something like that. But it does not look like that is on the horizon, though. You know, we always have to keep hoping that uh, the Angels will spend a bunch of money one of these offseasons and get it done. Yeah, and they have no problem doing it on the offensive end. Remember, they got Rendon, they got Justin Upton, Davis. They have signed a lot of players on offense And we're going to talk about this a little bit later in the show. They're the first team ever in history to use all of their first 20 picks on pitchers. So the natural assumption is, oh, my gosh, the Angels are now going to finally have pitchers. I have news for you. What's been going on for the last 15 years? The Angels have drafted pitchers. They can't keep them healthy, and they have not developed any of them. And that has been more of the issue. They can keep drafting pitchers for the rest of their life. If they can't get them good, I mean, that's only half the battle is the draft. The other half is... These are all 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old kids. Got to develop them. Got to get them good. And th- thus far, the Angels have not accomplished that at all. All right, coming up next, it is game four of the NBA Finals. We're going to preview Phoenix and Milwaukee next. We'll take a look at what FanDuel has in terms of the odds. We'll also hear from DeAndre Ayton and Drew Holiday. So stay tuned. This is Fantasy Sports Today. We're off and running here on this Wednesday with plenty to come here on SportsGrid on Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Davis back with you in just two minutes with an NBA Finals preview. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Carl, Daily Numbers Game. Today here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com, we are so thankful that we've got an NBA game tonight. In the past, this week in sports is generally Home Run Derby on Monday night, All-Star Game on Tuesday. If I'm not mistaken, I think the ESPYs usually are uh, on a Wednesday when there's nothing. But tonight we have the NBA Finals. So as it turns out, Davis, in 2021, in terms of the sports calendar, if I'm not mistaken... Uh, the 15th of July, 2021, will be the slowest day in sports in 2021. It'll be tomorrow. Tomorrow will be the day because I, I don't see anything on the schedule. So, uh, oh, actually, the, you know, the British Open starts. I take it back. So we actually do have something. Yeah, we, we kind of have been given a very small gift uh, with all of the, the coronavirus craziness causing all of these seasons to be haywire and we had you know we so we have generally speaking you are correct the wednesday after the all-star game that is i i think you are correct that's normally when they do the espies or, or maybe it is today may, or it's it's either wednesday or tuesdays when they do it but this year i guess there's no room for it because we have an nba finals game we have the open championship starting there we go we have the espies last week that's how that's how relevant they are to our lives craig we, i mean I, I can't remember the last time I really cared about the SBs, you know, but it, it was kind of always one of those things. They would they would show the highlights or, you know, the awards for the next week because there really wasn't much going on. But uh yeah, no no rest for the wicked. We are we are gonna be on the grind here because we it it just keeps coming. Yeah, I would expect tomorrow's show to be very heavy British open updates, to say the least. All right, let's get to the preview of tonight's game. We've got the Suns and we've got the Bucks. Before we show you the line, let's talk about one of the key players involved in tonight's game. There's no question it will be DeAndre Ayton for the Suns to win. Ayton has got to cover Giannis. He's got to not foul him five times, and he probably can't allow him to go off for 40 points. And yesterday he was asked about where Giannis ranks in terms of players that he's faced over the course of his career. I really don't have nobody rank or really think about that, but you know, Giannis has an awareness where he do go for. Um, he does put his head down, going for fouls, and you know he's really lengthy and strong. But you just have to keep up, you know, master physicality and not really back down or try to brace contact because that's where the fouls come in. But he is a difficult dude to to contest when he's in rhythm. All right, so let's take a look at the line. Of course, that's going to be a big factor tonight. Uh, we're going to hear from Giannis about the fouls a little bit later on in the show. That definitely has been a part of the discussion. And uh, Milwaukee right back at it again. Same line here, four, four and a half on FanDuel tonight. Total 220 and a half. Phoenix leads the series two to one. We'll hear from Drew Holiday in, uh, in just a minute. Before we do that, Davis, let me go to you. Um, it, it, it does seem like the foul conversation has been pre- uh, prevalent. Monty Williams talked about it a couple of days ago. Giannis was asked about it. You hear DeAndre Ayton talking about having to be careful but cover him at the same time. Boy, I I hate to hear that kind of discussion going into a finals game that we have to be careful of fouls, but it does seem like having Ayton on the court is a must in this game tonight. Yeah, because 
they there's not a good substitute for Aiton. If if DeAndre Aiton gets into foul trouble, they kind of are just going to have to play him because you don't want you know Frank Kaminsky out there. You don't want to force Mikhail Bridges to play backup center. Like those, that's just not really the direction that the team would want to be going in. But you, so they need Aiton in there. But at the same time, we talked about this on the show on Monday when Monty Williams was complaining about the fouls. It, you just can't really complain about fouls with Giannis because Giannis's whole game is like it is designed to be drawing fouls against NBA defenders he wants to get to the basket he doesn't really want to be shooting jump shots we actually saw this a ton in that net series where they would sag off of him force him to shoot jumpers and then after a while he realized if you're sagging off of me five feet I can get ahead of steam going and I'm going to force someone to contest me at the rim. Maybe they'll foul me. Maybe they won't. He was able to get some of the guys on the nets into foul trouble as well. I would imagine that's kind of their going to be their game plan heading into this game four. And I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a very tough task for DeAndre. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know if he's up to it tonight. Yeah. And there's not a really a good outcome if he isn't, because it's a loss as we saw in game three, Drew Holiday, of course, uh, you know, is, is a big part of what the Bucks do as well. And defensively, he's the guy that has matched up a lot with Chris Paul, the future Hall of Famer. And Holiday talked about just in general when Paul gets going off the pick and roll, just how unpredictable he is at point guard. Uh, just how you play the game, right? Um, it's kind of like the cat and mouse. I'm trying to play chess. Uh, you just have to. A lot of times you just have to figure it out when it when it actually happens. So so in real time. Um, but that's why Chris goes into pick and roll. Um, he's one of the best at it. He doesn't make it easier for the defender. And uh, for the most part, he gets to the spot or he gets a big rolling. Um, but that's what makes it fun. I guess if you did something over and over again and you kind of figured it out, what would uh, that be boring? Uh, so I, I don't know. There's a part of me that's like, it is a bit frustrating that he keeps on switching it up and he's really good at it, but there's also like this fun part in trying to figure out the, the equation. So, Davis, it's, you know, it's sort of rare that we're getting, I think, so much video and audio in this series that's actually dictating the outcome of the game. Like it's it, it's rare to see guys talk and we can actually use it to handicap. And sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. I feel like we can in this series that some of the stuff that I've heard has definitely played out. So therefore, let's look at the props here and get your opinion on this. You heard about Holiday talking about Chris Paul. His total tonight in terms of points is 21 and a half. Devin Booker has dropped back a little bit to 27 and a half tonight from 28 and a half in the last game. Of course, he had a brutal shooting game. DeAndre Ayton directly tied to fouls. He's 16 and a half. If he told me at the end of the game he had four fouls, I would go over right now with no problem on that. And if you told me he had two fouls in the first quarter, you're going to win on the under. So any opinion on the Suns props? I think the one that looks bettable here is probably going to be the Chris Paul over. The Booker total is just really high. Like, it's just very hard to score 28 points in an NBA game. Like, I, that should just kind of go without saying, especially because the Bucks have such a strong defensive backcourt. Chris Paul is going to get like he's going to get switched on to Giannis. Some Middleton is a very strong defender. Drew Holiday basically is uh, maybe the best on ball point guard defender in the NBA right now. Like he is completely fantastic, and I, I think that that was why that quote. 
that we just got from him was so illuminating because he's having a hard time with Chris Paul because Chris Paul is very hard to defend. But I, I would go over on Chris Paul. Both of the other ones seem like I, I would probably lean on the side of no bet for those two. All right, let's look at the Bucks props. Giannis has gone 40 points or more four straight games. He's at 34 and a half tonight. Chris Middleton is at 24 and a half. Holiday is at 19 and a half. So give me an opinion on any of these three. And I'm guessing, you, I didn't even ask you, but I'm guessing your opinion is on the Bucks tonight, minus four, four and a half, right? Yeah, yeah, I am on the Bucks. I think that it, I think the line is probably correct. I think four, four and a half is right where it should be. But I do, I do like the Bucks side. And come on, we're we're not watching the NBA Finals game without having a side. Um, you know, look, if I was gonna bet these lines, I would bet the under on Giannis because thirty-four and a half—that's a lot of points. That is lower than his average for the postseason. I know he's been phenomenal recently, and I know a lot of the paths to the Bucks winning are gonna be with him. You know, scoring forty points again, forty and ten or whatever. But I, I continue to think that Drew Holiday has a bigger role to play if the Bucs are going to win the series. It's very hard for me to imagine them winning a seven-game series with Drew Holiday being bad in most of the games, which, to be clear, he's been bad on offense thus far. So if I was going to bet one of these, I would be looking at that Drew Holiday over. Yeah, it's interesting because we're still waiting for Holiday to have one of these decent games. He just hasn't even been close. Uh, you know, with Booker, it's really interesting in watching some of the interviews most of the Suns and some of the Bucks expect Davis uh, Booker to come out crazy tonight, where basically when he's down, they say he usually comes back in a big way. I don't have the data to back that up, but that's some of the talk tonight, that the Bucks have to be ready in the first quarter for Booker, who's going to come out uh, as, as basically like wounded and wants to prove that he can do much better. We'll see. All right, the all-star fantasy baseball team, my version, next on The Grid. Stay away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. surprise for those of you who follow Davis on social media and follow all of his work and his podcasts and everything at Daily Roto that uh, I have dragged him back into baseball into season-long baseball this year I know it's probably coming to an end for Davis pretty soon next month football is going to be here and a lot of the season-long stuff's going to go away I get it it's sad I'll shed a tear uh, but but the saddest part about about doing this exercise that Davis and I have done Davis did it yesterday and I'm doing it today about the 2021 fantasy baseball all-stars and my whole soliloquy here is I'm so disappointed that Davis got it so right. I, I could not go to my team and construct it. I mean, he basically picked all the guys that are having great seasons, dissected it, went into it. So I had to, Davis, somehow poke holes and find contrarian approaches to your all-star team. But I would say that you did a really good job yesterday. You identified pretty much the best fantasy all-stars. 
Well, you know, I'm, I'm glad that uh, in my first year, you know, taking fantasy baseball super, super seriously, playing in the NFBC main event, uh, you know, doing waivers, tracking all this stuff. I, I'm glad that I was able to get something that, uh, you know, the great Craig Mish was able to look at and say, hey, hey, I did a good job. You know, I'm glad. And I'm also glad that we uh, aren't going to have any big disagreements here, though. I, I have not looked at your list because I wanted to maintain some okay. surprise. I, I hope that we were able to get some American League pitchers in because I, yeah. I realized yesterday no American League pitchers for me. Yeah, I did, I did switch it up. I could have went with some other National League ones too, but let, let's get started here. So the the disagreements that we've had here on this is that I have a different catcher, uh, Buster Posey, who I know Eric Haas was a waiver wire pickup. And 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 look, that's, that's a huge part of fantasy. So if we did waiver wire pickups, he would be close to being at the top or at the top. But overall, Buster Posey's season, 320, 12 home runs. I mean, my gosh, this guy has dialed it back to his MVP season. He's played almost every day up until he went on the injured list last week. I got to put Posey in there, a catcher. I just, I, I had to do it. His, his numbers were just incredible. And even though Haas has as many or more home runs in that short period of time, the value definitely is there. But Posey was not taken high in any fantasy draft either. So I felt comfortable putting him a catcher. We were in agreement at first base with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. We were in agreement at second base with Marcus Simeon. I did switch it up a little bit with Jose Ramirez because of the steals and because of the home runs, some of his other numbers are down a little bit. But if you followed Jose Ramirez's career, you know that he's about to go off. This guy is just a second-half monster. I don't know why he doesn't get it going as much in the first half. But I put Jose Ramirez at third. I had to put Tatis at short. And then we were in agreement on Ozzy Albies, who leads the National League in RBIs. And also Rafael Devers at quarter infield. So the differences here for us is that I picked a different catcher, a different third baseman. Although I could have went Machado. And uh, I had to have Tatis over Trey Turner at short. Yeah, I mean, Tatis versus Turner, kind of kind of apples versus oranges. Like, Turner, maybe a little bit better if you need speed. Uh, but also, I am just, I am just biased for, for Trey Turner because Trey Turner is on my high-stakes teams. Though, Buster Posey, how, how about this, Craig? My two catchers on my NFBC main event team, Buster Posey and we picked up Eric Hasse off the off the waiver wires on our main event team. So we are wow. we are probably the the one team in our 15 team league that is generating like positive results from our our catcher position, which which feels pretty right. And you know what? I I'm actually going to go amend my list. Jose Ramirez should be in over Rafael Devers. Like he is having. He is having an awesome season, and with uh, Cleveland not uh, like they're you know they're not tearing up the leaderboards or anything. They are they are thirty nine and fifty, basically drawing uh, completely dead to making the playoffs. Jose Ramirez could get traded to a team. I mean, what is more desirable than a switch hitting guy who can play third base, second base, shortstop? I bet I bet Ramirez, Jose Ramirez could even play first base if you wanted him to. So I I, I think Jose Ramirez might get moved here because. Another team would, would like, for example, Freddie Freeman is a guy who's being floated on the trade market right now. If I was a team trying to contend, I would maybe even rather have Jose Ramirez because he fills so many potential holes. If you really want to freak out, take a look at how many strikeouts Jose Ramirez has versus walks for the last five years. This guy's played plate discipline. He's the best. I mean, he's basically the best in Major League Baseball at that. Uh, to me, the most underrated star in baseball. I, I just think so. And again, all those steals, too, in a league that doesn't steal anymore, had to include him. 
Okay, in the outfield, we're in agreement on, on Otani. Uh, I don't care that Acuna was a first pick overall. He was on pace for 40-40, if not 50-50. I put him here for my all-star team. Mullins, we're in agreement. Castellanos, we're in agreement. And Adalis Garcia, who had a hit yesterday and then stretched it into a double in the all-star game, has been a huge surprise. And I don't care, Davis, about the second half. This is the first half. My guess is Garcia will not hit another 18 home runs in the second half, and I don't care. I think that he definitely fits the bill for one of the biggest surprises in terms of draft of the season. I mean, Adelise Garcia could strike out 47% of the time and not steal a base and not hit a home run for the rest of the year, and he would still deserve to be on your fantasy baseball all-star list. I mean, any guy who gives you double doubles like double digits in terms of home runs and steals in the first half of the season and doesn't completely murder you in batting average I think deserves to be here uh so it looks like our disagreement was you had like and I was a little bit more strict in terms of like where guys were drafted like sure Acuna really good player he's helped you a ton but you drafted him in the first round Gallo was an eighth round pick so I had I had Gallo in there right over Acuna, which which really was, uh, I mean that was our that was our only difference. I I thought Castellanos was borderline, so I'm glad to see that we agreed on that one as well. Yeah, also, just I'm thinking I'm thinking in my head like Castellanos is also going to have a great second half of the season. Like it's just going to get hotter. It's just, and those balls are going to keep flying out of uh, out of Great American Ballpark. So I I am like I'm just thinking Castellanos is going to keep crushing the ball. Yeah, in terms of fantasy value, the closest one that I had that didn't make it was Jesse Winker. That would have been the other one because this guy was nowhere on anybody's radar to start the season, and he's having a career year. But if we've proven anything at this point, it's that the Cincinnati Reds park, to me, is as good as any park in baseball. They're making stars out of that park every single year. I mean, Aquino a couple years ago, remember him too? Crazy. Uh, at At starting pitcher... We agreed on most. Jacob DeGrom, Kevin Gossman, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Giants are probably going to go for it this year. I almost took Woodruff out and put Corbin Burns in, but I want to drive the point here home that if there is a team that can win the World Series that we're not talking about, maybe we should be talking about Milwaukee with those two guys. I, I mean, those numbers, if you combine them, are stunning for those two guys, Woodruff and Burns. So... Um, something to consider. I have Carlos Rodon. Rodon's had a great first half, no hitter. Uh, you know, White Sox best pitcher in the first half. It's been fantastic. I, I, I put him in there and I threw him in. And then Trevor Rogers rounded out my top five. Yeah, and hey, I mean, a guy who made my list who is not on yours is also a Brewer. Freddie Peralta, you're right. I mean, the the problem with the Brewers, you, you never really thought you'd say this. They they've been a team for so long that could clobber the ball but couldn't pitch. But they don't have any right. hitting, right? Like Christian Yelich is, is playing terribly. They they trade like depth relievers to get Willie Adamas, who is now their number three hitter. They I, I believe they DFA'd Daniel Vogelbach and then they they got Rowdy Telez from the Blue Jays minor league system to try and shore up first base. But I mean, you know, Omar Navaez is batting cleanup for them. They're playing guys like Jace Peterson, who the the Baltimore the Baltimore Orioles decided they didn't want to have. Like they are they are a mess. The Brewers the Brewers need to be very active because it's it's easier to add capable bats and hope that Yellick figures things out than it is to add like an ace at the deadline for sure. It, it is, and and I think they I think the Brewers have to go for it with the intention of. Let's make trades to win the division, and we'll worry about it if anything else happens. They, they have to try and fight very hard 
to win that division. It may not even be a tough battle, but they they could be one pitcher injury away from not doing it. And then maybe, you know, the Cardinals or Cubs. It's just it just turned out to be a horrible division, the uh, the NL Central this year. I, I didn't see that coming. Uh, at closer, we agreed on Kimbrell, who will be a closer for another two weeks, and then probably an eighth inning guy somewhere else. I inserted Ryan Presley from the Houston Astros. I think based on where he was drafted and what he has produced, he's been fantastic. Another Astros closer, by the way, coming through. And then, yeah, Josh Hader had to be here as well. So the only difference of opinion here is I have Presley in there. Melanson would have been somewhat, for me, of an honorable mention. But uh, look at Presley's numbers, Davis. They're just, uh, I mean, insane. Yeah, Presley, uh, he kind of flew under the radar for me. He's got 16 saves, a 1.42 ERA, has been, you know, striking everyone out, 34% K rate, uh, 3% walk rate, 3% walk rate from a reliever. I mean, how about that? How do you, how do you like that for, for aiding Europe? And, I, I, you know, another thing for Presley is he's not going to be traded. What, what do the Astros need to trade him for? He's, I, he's on the best record in baseball, so he's just going to keep crushing those saves. And, you know, again, if I'm, I'm thinking about it, it's, Presley didn't go super high in drafts. He, it, like, he wasn't no. going in, like, the Liam Hendricks range. So he probably, I, he probably should have been on my list. I, I probably should have included him. Yep. All right, well, that's our look at the Fantasy Baseball All-Star Team for 2021. We, of course, will continue to discuss the Fantasy Baseball season as we continue on here on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. But coming up next, we're going to visit with Skylar Hoke and get a preview of the 2021 Masters, so or, uh, British Open, excuse me. So stay on the grid right here on Fantasy Sports Today. A little bit later in the show, we'll have more fantasy discussion as we get ready for the 2021 fantasy football season. Our shows each and every day are discussing fantasy football in the second hour of our show. So those of you who are only tuned in to 15 or 20 minutes, a great way to catch our show is on demand 24-7. Also, you can follow us on social media on Twitter at SportsGrid. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish and Davis, of course, at Davis Maddock. Following all the stories for you here on Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid and SportsGrid.com. Starting uh, tomorrow, we will dive into our coverage of the British Open. So make sure you tune in to us at noon Eastern and also the early line and the morning after for the latest updates. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today here on SportsGrid TV. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by my buddy, Skylar Hoke. And we are, of course, here to break down the Open Championship in 2021 being played at 
Royal St. George's. Uh, we are going to take a look at the betting markets on the FanDuel Sportsbook. And Skyler, this is this is my favorite golf event every year. A lot of people love the Masters. A lot of people love the U.S. Open. For me, it is always the Open Championship. I've become an early morning person in my old age, so it uh, it fits naturally with my my golf viewing schedule. Anyways, super excited for this tournament. Uh, why don't you why don't you first tell me a little bit about this course because honestly I don't really know a ton about it they haven't played here since 2011 I believe Correct. Yep. So Royal St. George's has been a staple in the rotation for the Open Championship. It is one of the more difficult, if not the most difficult, of the tracks that we have seen. Only one golfer has ever reached double digit under par, and that's when Greg Norman was the champion. Um, so Darren Clark had won here the last time it was, and he was a really long shot. We've seen that. And then Ben Curtis was the other winner. So we've seen 150 to 1 and right about 300 to 1 the last two winners at Royal St. George's. When you think about, you know, the Open Championship, it's Lynx-style golf. So those that, you know, play wide open, you know, there's a lot of fescue if you are really off the line, but off the tee is not as much of a separator. You're going to really need your short game uh, up to par because if you are missing the greens, which a good amount of the holes actually you probably will, you know, greens and regulation will probably sit around 60%, you know, for some of the better ones, maybe 70% if you're really dialed in. So you need that short game as much as anything this week and if the weather and the wind turned up watch out this thing will get difficult this thing will get very difficult that is something that definitely um you know there there's a there's a lot of luck and there's a lot of noise in betting the the open championship because you you could have i mean you know john rom could go out and hit every shot perfectly exactly how he wants to and if the wind and the course and the precipitation are not being kind to him there's, you know, just kind of there's nothing you can do. If the course doesn't want you to have the win, you're not going to have the win, which is, is definitely frustrating for, for some people. But the, the betting markets for this event, Skyler, unreal how much of the win equity John Rahm is, is taking out of the pool. And we talked about this for the Masters. We talked about this for the U.S. Open. We talked about this for the PGA. I mean, John Rahm right now, uh, our friends over at Data Golf have him as – 0.5 strokes better per round than their second golfer in the field, who is Xander Shifley, which leads to Rom being listed on the FanDuel Sportsbook at plus 750 to win. Everyone else is 16 to 1 or deeper. Just let's start here. Can you justify a wager on John Rom at 7.5 to 1 to win this tournament? There's two types of golf betting. I think there's those that you know, are dialed in week in and week out that are searching for long shots that like to play the top five, 10, 20 market, you know, look to maybe play a matchup. There's also those that handicap football and basketball and baseball and plus 750 is a massive victory when it comes to those type of golf hits. So if you are those that is coming in and you want to bet your money on who's the most likely winner, John Rahm is, you know, way and beyond, like you said, data golf representing, but his current form is just unreal. Realistically could have been and almost should have been three wins in a row for him. Dominance at Torrey Pines played well at the Scottish open, just couldn't really putt. Um, so yeah, I think it's justified what his number was and, you know, arguably I wouldn't fault anybody for putting money on it. I would not fault anyone for putting money on him either. What am I going to do with my own wallet? Where where is my skin in the game? I'm sorry to my friends over at Data Golf. I will I will not be betting John Rom because that is not the most fun 
viewing experience for me. Now, maybe I will play John Rahm in PGA DFS on FanDuel. You know, maybe I will I will lock in Rahm there because you have a little bit less opportunity costs and you can still get in some of the other favorites. But just the way the board sets up really incentivizes me to take more stabs because also Brooks Kepka at 16 to 1 have zero interest in betting him. Don't do not want to bet Brooks Kepka at 16 to 1. Don't think it's a very good course fit. Don't think he his game is really like I, I just don't think Brooks's game is in the best place it, it could be. Also seems like he is still battling that knee injury to some extent. Xander at 18 to 1. I now we're starting to get warm, starting to be like, well, you know, I could probably see myself betting on that. JT at 18 to 1, not great form for him, but a great long-term form golfer. Rory at 18 to 1, not supported really by current form but just he is always going to be a betting favorite at the british open championship and then i i have a feeling skylar you're gonna be you're gonna be trying to talk me into speed at 18 to 1 so i have a better way to attack and this is interesting every time i really appreciate that the fanduel sportsbook does this okay so we have speed 18 to 1 in the outright market against the big dogs but they always do a betting without market and they have a betting without dustin johnson Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, and Justin Thomas. Yet Spieth was 18 to 1 against those guys. He is 14 to 1 on FanDuel Sportsbook without those five golfers. That is a substantial amount of win equity getting taken out of the field without that much of a difference in the outright number. So if you are going to be on the Xander side of the argument, I'm okay with that. He is also 14 to 1 in that market. So I think that is the best way potentially to attack the top of the board because Xander and Spieth could both win this thing and you are eliminating the five other golfers that are more than likely going to be in the top five or, you know, competing with them on Sunday. Yeah, I, I actually really like that. And those alternative markets on FanDuel, again, it's hard to run a sports book. It's hard to have every number you put out there be advantageous to the house. So I definitely think that is an interesting market to take a look at. Dustin Johnson at 22 to one, you know, in general, Dustin at 22 to one in a major, I'm interested, but his combination of short-term form injury all of that stuff it's like i i just don't i do not think that i can go there on dj louis at 30 to 1 maybe in a vacuum like maybe in a perfect world where i actually got to wager this you know a, a thousand times they play this event ten thousand times but it just feels like louis is destined to finish t3 here and never generate the win the first names where i am saying i i'm ready to put my own money down Victor Hovland at 30 to 1. Now, I know we are really going to be taking a look at short game here. Hovland, uh, Hovland short game is bad relative to other top tier PGA Tour pros. You know, he'll, he will skull a chip every once in a while. He doesn't seem to have that same elite control. But just in general, long term form, one, I think Hovland will win a major championship, you know, before he turns 30. And two, his short term form is strong as well. Why should I or should I not bet Hovland at 30 to 1? It's to me the tough part is Link's experience. You see the golfers, and it's tough because I'm actually going to talk about one right after this. I think it's very comparable, but if you don't have any exposure to this, the guys like Hovland, like Morikawa, who have been, you know, uh, staples at the top of betting boards, official world golf rankings, they didn't get to play in the Open Championship yet because it was canceled last year, the one major that did not happen. So these guys that have been qualified and ready for Link's golf, you know, for 18 months, this is 
was their first test. Some of them did show up last week, and it was enough for me to pique my interest in Scotty Scheffler, who is 45 to 1 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. He is very similar, in my opinion, to Victor Hovland, where you know that long-term game is quite well. They get priced in that middle of the market, which is very intriguing. Um, Scheffler did play the Scottish Open last week, which was just a starter, you know, to getting ready to play in the Open Championship. So for me, that's a little bit more. I mean, Scheffler shot a seven under, I believe, on Friday, made the cut, was in the mix. His, you know, major championship record is a little bit better than Hovland's. He's actually nine consecutive rounds. I saw Mark Brody post this, the godfather of strokes gain stats, that Scheffler has beat the field in major championships. So him and Rom both have nine consecutive rounds that are beating the field in majors. So that's a decent comparison when you look at one at seven and a half to one and one then at, you know, 45 to one. All right. You knew we had to talk about it. FanDuel is giving us Bryson DeChambeau, a major championship winner, best driver of the golf ball on tour. Bryson is 34 to one on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I, I know that you need short game. I know that you're going to have to play the ball low here to, to, to fight against the wind and the elements. But if the elements are not huge, if we just get a calm weekend on Royal St. George's and it's not too bad, I really can foresee a scenario where the course just does not have any defense against Bryson's driver, where it just there just are, is not enough there to keep him from hitting 370-yard drives, you know, because that, that's what he does. So Bryson at 34-1 to 1 on the FanDuel Sportsbook, I, I just got to think that's a bettable number. Oh, absolutely. It's well worth the risk. You, know, you don't have to invest what we were at the U.S. Open when we talked last, you know, where he was 16, 18 to 1, where his game, if he is strategical like he likes to approach it, you know, he might have a strategy this week with the new caddy on the bag that they might not, you know, do their normal bomb and gouge. He might be able to play it. And although his wedges aren't the best, his putter is incredibly good. So, you know, would it be surprised? There's enough within that number of 34 to one that I, I definitely can see that. Yeah. All right. So let's, uh, let's get a little bit deeper here. I know first off you love your Euro tour dudes. This is, this is your specialty. Where are, where are the stabs? Because as you mentioned, as we were coming in, if you want to bet stabs at a major championship, the open is going to be the ones that give you them, you know, the combination of it being a, a form of golf that many, American players are not comfortable with the weather and how comfortable the European tour players are with link style golf. It just gives us a lot of deeper darts that we could target. Who are some of the darts that you were on for the 2021 Open Championship? Yeah, so there is the the collective form that we get to have in the lead up of the Open Championship. They play the Irish Open, they play the Scottish Open, and then of course the Open Championship. So it's not direct correlations of the best link style three weeks in a row, but it's enough to see that incoming form. So a couple golfers that do stand out to me that we have seen their numbers actually shrink dramatically in the outright market. First one is Lucas Herbert. Lucas Herbert came off back-to-back -back top 20s on the PGA Tour, rolled that into a win at the Irish Open, and then he was top five last week at the Scottish Open. So that form is enough to get him all the way down to 80 to one with a t uh, 10 to one top five on the FanDuel Sportsbook. But I think his number is the best when you look at it from a uh, FanDuel DFS perspective. You can see Lucas Herbert at just $8,000 this week. So he stands out as one. And I would be lying to you if I wasn't here 
promoting my favorite golfer in the world, who is Guido Migliazzi. Coming off of the huge, you know, Italy win yesterday, he's got to have the juices flowing. His first major championship was at the U.S. Open, Torrey Pines. He finished tied for fourth, fist pumping all over the course on that back nine as he ran up the leaderboard. He had back-to-back second-place finishes, one at a the British Masters, which was, I guess, Link C in style, but he's an incredible ball striker with a trending short game. So Guido Migliazzi, for me, is another one that you could attack. He is um, $8,600 in DFS this week on FanDuel. And he is listed at 150 to 1 on the FanDuel Sportsbook. I would, of course, be lying to you if I wasn't using the Italian narrative to build in to Guido this week. I think you, I think you got to add him to the card. I think you could even toss, a, I think you could toss a quarter unit on Francesco Molinari and say, if you look, you know, he got, he drank a bunch of good red wine after Italy won the European Championship. He is, uh, he's feeling pretty good. A couple other darts I think that you could throw. Burn Beesberger, uh, one of the one of the best long term putters on the European Tour. We know that putting tends to drive a ton of the Open Championship. Some guys just can't figure out the greens, um, and I, I think that uh, that would be a decent way to go. Everyone, thank you very much for sticking in to our Open Championship preview. We'll head to break. See you guys for the rest of our fantasy sports conversation. Stay tuned to Sports Grid TV. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Baseball and one of the very best in the game. We both had him on our all-star team is Nick Castellanos of the Cincinnati Reds. And certainly a lot of expectations on Castellanos and the Reds for the second half of the season. And he talked about hitting offensively and sort of where things are at right now in the game. Hitting has always been difficult, but I think that now where you have like that that um, older veteran experienced guy that will give you that quality at bat. Um, is being turned over for the young kid with the, you know, the K-Vest swing. So you just, I think the overall, um, I don't want to say talent levels because everybody's talented, but uh, just like the gamers that are willing to take their single, that are willing to uh, move the line, that are willing to get on base, take the walk, you know, take 2-0 to maybe get to 3-0 or... Um, inside out of all just to beat the shift those guys are going away and it's getting replaced with guys who are just launch angle and looking at computers and things like that like maybe it's not talent level but it's like skill level like the way they're taught to hit correct with wisdom experience of the game because i i'm pretty sure the game is the youngest it's ever been right as far as experience so if you don't have experience how are you ever really going to gain wisdom on how to being better at playing the game 
Interesting notes there, Davis, from Castellanos, who's been around the block here, uh, I would say a year or two for sure. Uh, you know, I wonder if, if experience and guys that are willing to do that can help the game. I know that we're looking for more hits, more doubles, more triples, but I, I just don't see that changing because the home runs pay the bills. Home runs pay the bills. Teams are not, uh, look, they're not opening the wallet for doubles hitters. I'll tell you that much. You know, when, when the Yankees go out to go sign someone this offseason, they're not looking at who hit the most doubles. Like, they're they're sorting by home runs on fan graphs and starting there. Yeah. Really interesting dynamic, what we have moving forward. We'll preview the second half of the baseball season tomorrow here on the show. But that'll do it for our first hour. Fantasy football discussion incoming. We'll also hear from Giannis right after the break. But first, here's the update here on SportsGrid with Chris Kofsky. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.